tief in Indien ist, im Seidus. Als er oben Menschen sind, ziehen und sie bringt die Wahrheit. Als zwei Menschen können oben eine Kerbe, können oben eine Relationship, können oben eine Kirche zwischen sich. Sie müssen oben. Hier in der Sauberach, am Säufer, am Pasch, wie Jairu. Am Chassan nicht mehr Avruam. Hashem ist saying, I'm going to hide from Avruam my plans. Kiudativ, du manisch, ich habe es bunav. Das ist beißer Achrov. Push up shot in the pussy is that Hashem says, I love Avruam Avini so much. He teaches his children, he teaches people to go my ways. I can't hide anything from him. But the Samsoifer says a very nice word. He says, what's the connection? I can't hide it from him because I like him. Okay, but what does that have to do with teaching his, his, his children? He says something very interesting. He said that if Avruam Avini would have used Nevi'ah, then he would have known everything that would have happened, right? Just like the Ibishta told things to Yeshaya Novi, Yirmiya Novi, Yecheskel Novi, the Ibishta had his ways of communicating with Nevi'ah. And if Avruam Avini would have had the time, and he would have had the space, and he would have had the uh, ability, he would have been able to be Mizboinen, his Machshuva, in, in Yunam Gavoyim, and he would be Zoycha to that kind of Nevi'ah. He would have been able to communicate with Hashem. And that's what Suleimani was doing. She was herself. Right? She was inside, in the house, and Avram Avini was a tofel lenevia to Suleimani. She was a, a bigger nevia than he was. And that's because she was secluded and she had time for that. Avram Avini didn't have time for nevia. Avram Avini was very busy. He was busy with his children, he was busy with guests, he was busy uh, you know, being makar people, he didn't have time for nevia. And Hashem said, it doesn't make sense that I should hide my plans from Avram Avini just because he's too busy spreading my name and my word. That's why he shouldn't know what I'm going to do. And I just decided that's it. I'm chas- I can't hide from Avram Avini because of that. I'm going to share with him what I, what I plan on doing. What's the doing? So, shine of art, and definitely something that gives chizik a lot of times for parents who are overwhelmed, kind of raising families. And uh, sometimes we think that maybe the Avishta would have been better to us, let's call it, right? Maybe Hashem would have given me this and this uh, privilege or this and this benefit if not that I have so many children, right? But it can't be. Hashem is not going to let someone lose out because he's really busy spreading Hashem's name. So that's, that's a very important lesson. And I think this is something that's going to uh, be a very good introduction to what we're going to be talking about today, a little sensitive topic. And actually, I've gotten more than one question in the past about this. Uh, a lot of times I tried communicating with people one-on-one because of the sensitivity of the topic. So today I'm just reading a general question that came in about it. Um, but this is definitely something that, that's not, uh, that's not uh, infrequently um, spoken about. So, let me just read this question. Okay, I'd like to first thank you for all your shidim. It's already a long time that I'm listening to them, and I enjoy them very much. Thank you, and a lot of atzlucha. I'm not a writer, but I decided to take the few minutes to write. In the shir last week, in the English shir, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of Torah Dika Ashkofa. And in the middle of the shir, I was thinking that maybe it would be nice to designate a full shir and talk about what you mentioned Something about the beauty and the privilege of having a big family. I hear a lot of people and friends and family that talk about the topic of having children, having a lot of children, not having children, and it seems that they don't have the proper ashkofa. It seems that in the days of old this was a simple thing that people understood properly. Even though I know that it's hard to speak about publicly, but I would appreciate if you could try to give us some positive ashkofa and outlook on the topic. Okay, that's the basic gist of what was written over here. And like I said, a lot of times people ask different questions about, you know, I think, she thinks, we think, we don't think, what do we do now, what do we do here, what do we do there? So anyway, this is a topic that definitely needs a lot of 
clarity. And like I said, it's a very sensitive topic. And maybe I'm not the one that's supposed to address it. But, uh, you know, if somebody's asking me a question, I'll try to share a perspective with my listeners. So let me just give us a short introduction. The short introduction is that it's okay to need chizik in this area and, and want to hear clear hashkafa and get chizik about what it means to have children, have a big family, um, you know, and do, and do something that we, that we want to do. It's not something that should be pushed under the rug, especially if people talk about it anyway, and people think about it anyway, people deal with this anyway. So it's not a question. And, and another thing is that de- you know, dealing with anything this sensitive and this um, sacred, by looking at, at uh, secular sources and getting ideas from people who are not uh, dealing with a Torah de Gashkov is, is definitely not correct, not a question. That's, that's number one. Number two, just in, in terms of introduction, there's definitely, definitely, definitely a time and place to responsibly consider different options. Definitely. Not a question. Most often you're going to talk to a, a Rav or anyone that's competent and uh, he'll be able to tell you clearly when and, when and where and what to do in different uh, situations. Not a question. And like every other idea or area in Torah, you should never feel bad if you're doing what the Torah wants you to do. Not a question. Anything and everything I'm going to be saying today is just the, the basic idea and the basic outlook and the basic mindset. And if anyone's dealing with anything that is an exception to the rule, they should know, first of all, that they're dealing with an exception, not the rule. And they should deal with the exception. The Torah the way that you deal with exceptions. But what we're going to be discussing today is the rule. And there is a general rule, there's a general outlook and a mindset that, that should be taken as the general way of... of understanding it up a topic like this. And it becomes a problem when exceptions become the rule. And, and things that are not ordinary you become typical. It's definitely a problem. So I, I think that, that a lot of this starts... Uh, let's do point number one. Point number one, I think that a lot of the misunderstandings and a lot of the you know, mistakes people have in, in, in the area, in the topic of having children, has to do with simply not knowing the, the basics of, of how important it is Either, either the, the, the privilege or the importance or the obligation right? or the severity of uh, making your own decisions. A lot of people just don't, just don't know these things. They, they either didn't hear enough about it or it wasn't emphasized enough or it wasn't uh, delivered the right way. That could also be. But it's, it's not a question that without understanding the importance of this and, and without understanding you know, how, how chushev and how heilig and how, how, how great the privilege of being able to and, 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 and the greatness of the obligation of, of having children. If you don't understand, how can, how can you deal with this? How, how can you even talk, discuss the, the topic if you didn't first try to understand what, what it really means? And, you know, like I said, who, who am I, right? I'm not here to educate anyone or, or give people a perspective and start giving a, a shir about uh, you know, all the Makoyas and Chazal and Shachanurah and things like that. But just, just to touch upon a few little things over here. I mean, it seems clear... Where are we going to look? I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's basically life, a life mission of a Yid. Right? He was giving up on the V. He was giving up on what seemed to be the biggest Avod Hashem. The biggest thing you could do is have children. The biggest thing you could do is have children and be Mechan of them in the day of Hashem. It's the biggest thing you could do. It's the biggest accomplishment you could do. If people would see that as this is the accomplishment, this is what counts. This is what's important in life. And a lot of other things are, are, are pale in comparison. You know, not, not a question. And, and this is really what counts. And regardless of what ends up happening down the road, but this now, just now, having children and doing my best you know, to, 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 to have a family that's going to be of Hashem, it's, it's the biggest accomplishment a person could do. And, and it's, it's a shlichus that a person has in this world. 
And if people would see it as that kind of importance, it's not a question that it would be you know, a whole different whole different thing. It's not just another thing on my list. It's not something I do because uh, because I could or because I want to, because people do it, or because it makes sense, or because it's accepted. No, th- this is what it is. This is what it is. You know, Yanka um, Vivini, the Bechir Shabovas. What was so special about Yanka Vivini? It's very it's a very interesting medrash actually. Uh, the Nesiva Shulam brings this medrash. A medrash Aicha. He brings that Peshas Charbon Besamigdash. The Ovis of Doshim came to ask Hashem that he should have on the Eden. And Avram Avini told Hashem that I was ready to shecht my son. Please have Rechmonus on my children. Shouldn't be a Chorbim Smigdash. Yitzhak Avini, he said the same thing. You know, Hashem, I was ready to be shechted. Right? So, whichever one is greater, either shechting your son or being shechted yourself, but let that be a schiz for the Yiddish Kinder. Yanka Avini says, Rabbi Nishlam, a longer allusion to the Medrash, the Acha Shigidaltam, Kefroichem Shotanagoidlam, Savalti Alayim Tsar Gidl Bunam. I raised a big family, and it wasn't easy for me. Right? We know all the different parashas that the Yankavim went through, just raising a family. How can I have Rechmunas on my children? Now, when you think about it, first of all, Avrum and Yitzchak, they took my rooms, they were ready to shecht or be shechted, you know, for Hashem. Yankavim, he raised a family, it sounds nice, you know. But it seems, see, the Shulam brings this message, and he says, it seems that Yankavim felt that his accomplishment of raising a family and, and the target al-bunam that he went through was a bigger schiz that even if Avram and Yitzhak were not able to be ma'orir rach mishmaim for Migdash, but what he did was a greater thing than that. So he was coming after them already and saying, you know what, maybe this will do it. I raised a big family for you, Hashem. And, you know, it's both things. First of all, obviously, it shows the big schiz of raising a big family. And another thing that it does is it shows that, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's a Messias Nefesh. It's a lot of Messias Nefesh. It's as big a Messias Nefesh as, as being shechted for Hashem. Now people see, wow, Kiddush Hashem, that's like amazing. You know, raising a family takes a lot of Messias Nefesh. It takes a lot of, you know, you, you really have to be ready to stick it out and, and do whatever it takes to raise a family. And, and Yanke Vini felt that was a, a tremendous... And actually, Ramban also mentions Shathor, and he says that the reason why Yanke Vini wasn't busy like Avrum and Yitzchak, who had Talmidim and, you know, people that were spreading Hashem's name, because he had a family. He was doing it with his children. He was doing the biggest thing that he could do, just raising children. It reminds me of a story I once heard, and that was a, a story of the Ostrovtsa. The Ostrovtsa, the Ersta Ostrovtsa, that was... That was um, he, had, he had a son of Cheskula. Cheskula, also a great Sagoon. Um, the Ostrovtsa Rebbe had thousands of chidim, and he had a, a very, very big following, very famous. Gavaldi he, 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 he was a... And he once made a chasna, and his shver came to his chasna. His shver was Maftul Melitzer. Maftul Melitzer was, was an Einikl of... Rabbi Yanka the Melitz, the son of Heidi Rabbi Saruf. And Raftul the Melitz had 14 children. Okay, in those days, I don't know how many people had that. That's right, but 14 children, can I know that? And he came to the Chasna, and he was considered a small Rebbe. He didn't have a lot of Chasidim. And Chaskul had a lot of Chasidim, and it was by the Chasna, so many people came to the Chasna. And Raftul the Melitz said something to his item. He said, You know, we find that, that uh, you know, and his item was a Muslim Sisnei Fashid. Abcheskula was so he fasted on Shabbos, Shabbos. He was a big of Hashem. He was a gavaldi gugul and He wasn't. He was a simple person. He had a lot of chesedim. And the shver Maftula says, you know, we see by the Uvas Gdoshim, Avraham and Yitzchak had more mesirus nefesh it seems. And then we see that Yankovin was, was the bechir shabovas. Why? Why was he considered bechir shabovas? Because I said, I don't know. Why taka? He said because he came with his children. Yankovin had this big shtib mit kinder, and that was the biggest mesirus nefesh that he could have. And he basically meant to say about himself, you know, I might not, I might not be able to compete with Yerchidim, but having raised 14 children, you know, that's, that's something that's a Gvaldim Sis Nefesh. So we see this idea again and again. Having a lot of children and, 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 and doing what it takes, and it's not easy, 
it's very stressful, is definitely something that's uh, very commendable. That's the, the joke about Haritul, uh, I think. You know, when you say Shir Shirim, Erev Shabbos, for people who don't have time to say all Shir Shirim, there are four psikim at the end that you say, it's Rishatav is Yankov. And the joke goes, the Yankov Vini, he was so busy with all his kids, Erev Shabbos, he didn't have time to say Shir So he just said the abbreviated version. All right? And that's why it's Rishatav is Yankov. It's not a question that you can't have everything. It's not a question that, that if you can have a lot of children, or you have a lot of children, that's gonna, you're going to be bogged down by that. And you'll be busy with, uh, you call it Gidlbunim or Tsar Gidlbunim or whatever it takes, and you can't have everything. It's not a question that you can't have a lot of children and have everything that you think you could have if you wouldn't have those children. In other words, you know, you have less time for yourself, and less money for yourself, and less whatever else to yourself, or less space for yourself. But it, that's what priorities is about. When somebody sees this as being very important, and somebody sees it as being a, a chiv and something that Ibishta wants, and a privilege, and a privilege. You know, it's not a question that this definitely, um, this definitely, you know, takes priority and, and you give up on other things for it like, like everything else like everything else Who, what, what don't we give up for Yiddishkeit right? we give up a lot of things for Yiddishkeit now if somebody doesn't want to or they feel that they can't and that's a, you know, they, 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 have, they have a problem but at least understand this is very important and it comes first and, and it's, 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 it, it takes precedence over a lot of other things now, now let, let's go to point number two point number two is the emotional challenge it's not a question that it's, it's very emotionally draining and sometimes even more than that it's very difficult you know, to, to have a lot of children not a question not a question. Now, interestingly, we find that the, uh, you know, Hashem told Udom and Chava, um, it's not easy to make money. Right? Everyone knows that. You're going to sweat a lot, and you're going to work hard for your money. And, it's going to be hard for you to raise children. Interestingly, those are both clueless, by the way. Right? They're both curses. It's not a, it's not a privilege to work hard and make a lot of money. It's a, it's a curse. It comes very, it's, it's, it's very hard to make money. Interestingly, the way the Yitzharah makes it, seemingly, is that even though and people struggle to make money, but they like the struggle. They invest time, they invest energy, they invest money to make money, they give away sleep to make money. And even though it's a, it's a, it is a struggle and it will always remain a struggle, somehow it's appealing. Right? You have 100, you want 200. I, the 100 was so hard to make, and I, 100 covers your expenses, I want a second 100. But you're not going to sleep at night. Go to sleep and give up on the 100. No, that's the way the Ibishta made it. That's the way the Yitzhara works with us, right? We were a taiva for more, even though it was very hard. The, the other kula of Be'etz of Tel Dibunam, you know, it's not easy to have children. It's not easy to give birth to children or raise children. And for some reason, it, it just doesn't work the same way. The Yitzhara has a way of, of uh, you know, not giving that Yesh Lemun Reitz Masayim for everyone. Maybe that just goes to show how important that is. Maybe that's why it's hard trying to stop that from happening. But it's interesting to see how both things come hard for us. We all, we all struggle for, for both. Struggle to make a living and struggle to raise children. And for some reason, one is just more tempting to struggle with. It just puts it into perspective that it's allowed to be a struggle and it's expected to be a struggle. And, and we do struggle. We do invest you know, when it comes to other things. It's not a question. Now, now, let me be clear. And that is that if not for the fact that it's a mitzvah and Hashem wants this and we live for a higher purpose and we believe in the importance and the privilege and whatever it is of having children. I, I think it's, it's, it's true that you know, it, it, when, you, when it boils down to dollars and cents, you're just making the math, you're doing the math, you're making the cheshman, that's it, you know, do it the secular way. I could have a boy, girl, and a cat. I could have a dog. And life is good. I don't want to deny that. Now, it could be there are goyim or people who are not toyredic, and they will see it and say, you know, no, I want to get old, and I want to have, I don't, I don't have a word for nachis, but, you know, I want to have, children and grandchildren, this is what's important to me, this is my principles, my values. It could be that people like that. But in, in most cases, I understand why somebody would say, you know, short-term investment, why would I give away so many years of my life, so much energy to have so many children? What for? I understand that. 
If not for the fact that this is one of those topics, and I mentioned this in the past about different topics, it's one of those topics where, if not for the fact that we have a Torah way of looking at things, if not for the fact that we have a Torah way of prioritizing, if not for the fact that we believe in, a, in having a mission on this world and knowing what's important, then yes, then yes, it certainly would make sense to say that, you know, um, I want to have more of something else. There are other things in life that are, that are more important to me. And, unfortunately, there are people that, that don't prioritize Bechlal correctly in life. There are people that don't prioritize. There are people that, that um, see this world as an as a end goal, and they're definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about being a tzaddik or not a tzaddik. There are people that definitely don't choose wisely when they make decisions about how to live their lives. That, that's fine. That, that's relevant everywhere. That, that's what Bechir is about. That's what choosing is about. But if we are going to believe, and we are going to try to prioritize correctly, and we are going to know that there's a higher purpose, then yeah, then, then there's a whole new cheshman that we have to make. Along with the fact that when it comes to Emine Betochen, we believe that it's Hashem running the show. And we're not the ones that are going to pull the strings and decide you know, what we do have and what we don't have, what, we, what we're going to gain, what we're going to lose. You don't make those rishbanis. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a letter from the stipler. I think it's a famous letter. It's in, it's in the letters of the stipler in Chalik Ba'ez. Mechtev Chovov. And he says that there are people that think that because they won't have a lot of children, life will be easier. He says, be two as goodle. Two as goodle. There's, there's almost no difference. First of all, he just talks practically, which is interesting that he says it, but he says it. It's almost no difference between somebody who has um, three children and seven children. They're both busy with their children. They're both, you know, can't just do whatever they want anyway. They're both busy by night. Both, you know, the, the, the difference is not really that big. But then he says, and he says, you just look at it, you'll see. You'll see people who have less children, more children. It's not like they're working twice as hard. Okay. But then he says that people who think that they're going to make things easier for them should know that anything that you are going to suffer or anything, any pleasure you're going to have in this world is all written from Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And no matter what you're going to do, you're not going to make it easier or harder for yourself. And no matter how many times you try to avoid a certain difficulty, if it's Bashed that you have it, it's going to come after you. As many times as you try to attain a certain pleasure or enjoyment, you know, if it's not Bashed, it's going to hit you somewhere else. He said, nobody could make things easier for them by the fact that they decide that they're going to have less children. That you're not making it easier for yourself. And he said, if somebody is doing things that's against the side of Hachayim Ativi, the way the Ibish made things happen, then he's not going to be helping himself. And he brings a medrash, but you see them, boom, Allah Udam. And at the end of the day, we all know it. We all know it because, you know, when people, when people um, um, struggle, you know, you, you, we don't pick things in this world. And there are a lot of people that, unfortunately, struggle with a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, people look at it like, okay, that was unavoidable. The, a child got sick, it's unavoidable. But the things that I could avoid, I could avoid. It doesn't work like that in this world. You can't avoid anything. If it's a bashef, you have a certain amount of struggle, at least, at least struggle in a healthy way. You're not making life easier for yourself by trying to control your life. That's also, so again, like I said, if not for the fact that the Torah is teaching us how to have children, then you have your own cheshm. If not the fact that we believe that Hashem is running the world, once again, you could have your own cheshm. But we believe these things. And sometimes we just need a chizik for it. <coughs> there's, a, there's a famous story people quote it's, it's from Adrush's Shavit Alayvi there was a, there was a, a story where the Ravosner was being masked with a family unfortunately it was an accident it seems um, and a whole family six children almost a whole family six children were nifter and only one child um, um, lived through the accident or the fire or whatever it was and Ravosner said a hespit Ravosner and he said I have to say this because if not it would be an avayr if I wouldn't tell this he said how did it happen that a family was Nifta just like that, and and six, um, um, you know, in such an accident, um, six people were nifter, and one small child of a few months old, um, who lost parents also, two parents and six children, and only one child was left over. How did that happen? He said, I have to, 
have to reveal something that's a, 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 a secret. And that is that a few months before this, the doctor told this woman that she shouldn't have any more children. And they came to me as the roof, asking, what do we do? Is this what we should do? And I looked into it, like a responsible roof should do. And I saw that, uh, no, it's not, the doctor said so, but it's, it's wrong. You know, Rosner looked into the details of the story and said, no, he doesn't see that this is, this is the, the right thing to do. And they listened to the roof and they had a, another child. And he said, look what happened now. Chazal said, And the other way around as well. And we see now Bechish. We see it. We see it before our eyes. If not for the fact that this family listened to the Das Torah, um, that, that you know, the Ruv told them, they, w- they wouldn't have anything left of the family. And because they did listen, that's why Hashem helped. That it was, it was uh, Kaim Oyle Mulai. And this family has now um, some, some Amshucha. Because they listened to a Ruv Yisrael, that's why he was born. And that's why they had you know, this kind of um, zaycher from this nera shvi after, after these children were in a tragic way. So again, the point is not the story. Sometimes we say a story and it looks like, okay, interesting story, Bashert. No, it was a story that Ravosna said to teach us. He said, from this story we can learn. From following this story, you know what happened? This teaches us, you know, a, 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 a mindset, an outlook, how, how we're supposed to understand things like this. So this is, um, now, interestingly, the first time you see such a story, is not in the times of Ravosna, the first time you see a story of somebody who was contemplating not having children and ended up did having children, and it was Kaim Olamulai was right Moshe Rabbeini, right Vika Chazbas Levi, right Amram Yechaved, and Rashi says over there Pishim many Nagzaris Paroi, and his daughter said Zeros Chakushim Shal Paroi. Now you don't have children, I understand, but you know, it's not the right thing to do. And they got married again, and they had a child, and the rest is history. So the idea of of you know maybe I could avoid the difficulties by not having a child. And, and, but if that's what Hashem wants, then you know, there's definitely something to, you know, to take into consideration what, what Hashem wants us to do. Now, it's clear that some people have it harder than other people. I'm not saying not. The fact that some people have a harder time raising a family than other people, that's a given. The fact that you can't avoid the difficulties that are bashed for you, that's, that's what we're discussing. But it's not a question that you, anyway, you have to rely on Hashem. So to think that you're going to rely on Him only for some things and some things you're going to try to avoid on your own, yeah, that, that's not something that, that's uh, um, um, the correct way to think of things. I tell you, I was last night traveling with somebody in a, in a, a Tesla, fancy car. And in the middle of traveling, I saw that he was talking to me, and I realized that he wasn't driving the car, he was driving on his own. I said, whoa, you, you trust your car on the highway? There's trucks and there's cars and things are flying, and, and you trust the car to know where he's going? You know, people ask those questions about trusting a car, a self-driving car. And the answer is that you trust your car so, with so many different things anyway. You trust your car when you get into it and you get on a highway where people are flying. You trust your car that when you honk, it's going to make noise. And when you turn the steering wheel, it's going to, it's going to listen to you. And when you turn it around or turn it over, use your brakes, you trust it's going to listen. If not, you wouldn't get into that car. So you just have to trust a little more. You know, that whoever made the car knows, knew what they were doing till now and they probably know what they're doing now as well. And it's such an important lesson in life. You know, you're trusting Hashem anyway. When you're having only two children, you're, you're also trusting Hashem that He knows what He's doing. And when Hashem gives you difficulties, you trust that He knows that it's good for you. And, and, and you trust that He knows you can handle it. So when it comes to thinking about should we have, should I have children should I have more children should I not you know, if, if you're trusting in him anyway you're trusting in him giving you uh, panusa and nachos and gazint for the ones for the children that you have already so it's definitely something about um, you know trusting more in Hashem so to think that you can have children you're gonna be more unhappy or, or less happy or you can be more happy with less children I, I tell you clearly you don't see it I tell you I don't see it I see a lot of happy people and the happy people very often have a lot of children and a lot of people the happy people and very often the, the happy people are happy with their children. Most 
the most, the greatest happiness, and the greatest pleasure that happy people experience are from their children. And very often, unhappy people who don't have so many children are not happier because they don't. They're they're unhappy. So I don't want to start the stereotyping and saying that unhappy people have less children, more children. People people don't want to have children. Unhappy people. There's nothing about it. The greatest pleasure in life is, is having children and seeing nachas from them. And even before you see nachas from them, you're doing the right thing by having children. You know, we all, we're almost Paul, you know, I once heard this, you know, by cases on Yom there's a choice what you can ask for, right? Uh, either it's uh, Ashiras or Yichakoidish, or nachas from children. So of course everyone asks for nachas, not a question. But somebody says, so why does the nachas even have different choices of what you can ask for? And the answer is because part of asking for nachas is consciously understanding that you're giving up on other things. You can't, you can't have everything. You can't have Riyach HaKodesh and Ashiris and Nachas. Somewhere you have to give. And if you're asking for Nachas, it's because you're contemplating and thinking, yes, I want to have this over other things. So it's a good thing to remember in life. You know, you want to have children and you want to do the right thing and you want to remember that this is the greatest pleasure you'll ever have and the greatest accomplishment you'll ever do and the greatest fulfillment of your mission you'll ever have. It, it comes with the price of giving up on other things that you might have to give up on. But that's, like, that's, that's what prioritizing is about. And sometimes, interestingly, there are people, I'll just mention one more point, again, a sensitive points, but, what, but, but something to think about. There are people that are unhappy because they don't have children. Or because they're unhappy, they don't want to have children because they're very unhappy and they, don't want to, they can't handle having children. They don't realize that when they were busier with children and more occupied and they felt more fulfilled and they were, you know, there was more in their life, they were doing better. And I heard this from many people. And my wife was busy raising children and giving them and taking care of them. She was a happy person. And ever since... She hasn't had children. She's a very unhappy person. She's too self-absorbed and busy with herself and quetching and complaining. So again, it's just something to think about. It's not easy. It's not easy. I, I, hope, it, I hope I didn't make it sound easy to have children. I hope it, I didn't make it sound easy to raise children. I hope I didn't make it sound like it's not a Mishif Snafish. I think I, I clearly said it is a Mishif Snafish. But it's something to think about. If this is what we're supposed to be doing, then you trust in Hashem and you feel good that you're doing what's most important, even if it's at the expense of other things. Now let me, let me go to the next point, and that's point number three. Point number three is the Das Torah part. It's not a question that some people don't realize how sensitive a topic this is. This, this definitely takes into account a lot of different shalas, a lot of different chayivim uh, that, that people don't address seriously. You know, so it's not a question that you should only discuss something like this with somebody you trust. When you start getting guidance about something this serious from your sister and sister-in-law and, and, and neighbor, you know, because they said, they repeated, they quoted, without realizing you're dealing with a serious thing. And if you wouldn't trust the person that you're getting guidance from with other serious uh, things in your life, then you shouldn't be trusting with, you know, about this either. It's very important to understand. You want to talk to someone who can assess your situation properly, somebody who knows you, somebody who cares for you, somebody who you trust, somebody who you're committed to doing what that person tells you, and not waiting till they commit to do what you tell them to say. And in general, having enough study that you're consistent with. Not when it comes to this, uh, oh, birth control, oh, that's when you call that person. What does that mean? If you have a rov who you call for shilas about your milchigs and fleshigs and other things that you should call about, uh, you know, or that study that you that you discuss uh, other things about your children, or important things in life, why would you not discuss something this important? Just because you know that somebody else will tell you something else? I mean, pick and choose. It's not good about any, anything, but certainly not about something like this. Uh, not a question. And this is something that I think you could or should demand of a spouse. We'll talk about the shown bias part in a minute. But you know, if this is an issue between husband and wife, Instead of, instead of arguing about it, I think it's something that everyone has the right to demand, that we go discuss what it has started. I think we have, we have a Rav, we have a Rebbe, we have somebody we trust. How can we not discuss this with him? And what's this, what's this thing about deciding on, on our own? Something that we really understand. That it's, and, and it is. It's not, it's not something that's, that's uh, um, to, to be taken lightly at all. It's not something to be taken lightly. I'll tell you, I, I've seen it the other way around as well. I don't even know if I should mention it. I've seen it the other way around as well. 
There are times when somebody feels that the right thing is to talk to a Rav and, 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 and not have another child right now. And sometimes it's the right thing to do. And when somebody else says, no, I don't think so, Adarabah, talk to a doctor and get clarity. It's not just when you're looking to, okay, so the Rav said, okay, so I, I want to have I'll just do things, just doing, th- just doing anything is not good. It's not called the Chimra, it's not called the Kili, you get guidance, you get guidance. There's a Chiva from Shavit Alayvi, actually there's a few, but there's a, a Chiva in Chalik Dalad, and Chiva Shavit Alayvi, Simakif Samachalaf, where he, he, he talks about this, and he says, you know, he's very fanimen, he was, he was overseas or something, but he said that he didn't want to push off writing this letter, Somebody who somebody asked him that person again. I don't mean to give any kind of halacha guidance at all. I'm just mentioning because you know this is what he, what he writes. Somebody who has eight children and he's 44 years old. Okay, 44 year old has eight children. He wants to know if he should have more children because the pusik says. And have more children. And he, and the person quoted a cipher that said something about well, if it's hard to raise your children, then maybe not. Maybe yeah. And he speaks specifically about that person's situation where he says that there's, there's no uh, school or chayda for the kids to properly be mechan of the children. Maybe it's time to, you know, uh, consider something. So he says that I wouldn't be writing you this letter if not for the fact that I want to make sure that people stop making this mistake. And he talks about, uh, you know, Chizkiah Melech, he brings a ray, Chizkiah Melech didn't want to have children, he, only did. he knew his children wouldn't grow up, to, to, they're going to be, grow up to be Rishon. He writes, Chizkiah Melech was a Baruch HaKodesh, and he knew what would be with his children. And even then, he was mechiv to still have children. But if somebody doesn't know what's going to happen, and nobody knows what's going to happen, you're assuming on your own that because the chinuch system in your city is not good, so you're not going to have good your children, you won't be able to do mechanavim. You're making your own chashboinus. That's not that's not a way to deal with something this uh, something like this. He says, you know, Hashem can make things work out. There's no way to say that I know it's not going to work. I know that based on my situation, I know that based on my circumstance, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this. Especially if the parents want to make it work. If you want to, you'll be able to make it work. And he, he, he talks about how, you know, um, if you want to make things work, Hashem will definitely help you make it work. So that's just a, you know, perspective to see that, you know, people are dealing with, and there's other chiefs from Rebozna where he talks about this a lot. Now, uh, let's go to point number four, and that is the, the Shulam bias point, okay? So far I spoke about the understanding of the general idea about the importance of having children, um, and, and that if it's a priority, you look at things differently. And there is the emotional challenge, which obviously, if not for the fact that, it, that you know, there's definitely a lot of us, there's definitely a lot of uh, challenge, but we have a minute, we have a token, and we know that, you know, we have to rely on Hashem. It's not easy. There's the das Torah part, and let's go to point number five, and that's point number four, and that's the Shulam bias part. The fact that very often this is a Shulam bias issue says something. In other words, if husband and wife would come to the conclusion together, a logical conclusion, that maybe, you know, maybe we have a lot of children already, and maybe it's just time to, you know, take a break. Um, that would seem, at least, that either it's a logical conclusion they came to, or that they have their priorities you know, messed up. One of the two. One of the two. But the fact that very often it's a shown bias issue, where people don't agree anymore, that says something. It's like every issue of conflict, where the source of it is most often emotional. Not logical. In other words, if it would be logical, then, then why are you fighting? Let's, let's deal with it logically, right? It makes sense, doesn't make sense. You just weigh the pros and cons, and it's a cheshman. But very often, and most often, the Shalom Ba'ez conflict is where it's emotional. And that's already a separate thing that has to be understood. Just getting someone to listen to a shir, or, or, or quoting something, and assuming that the person's taking it, that, that, that's when you're dealing with logic, that, okay, I'm ready to understand. But when it's emotional, it's a different story. So I just want to quote a, a question and answer from, from Rabbi Vigna Miller that was uh, publicized lately, just two weeks ago. Um, what should a wife do if her husband does not want any more children? Okay, that was the question. And Rabbi Miller's answer was, so she should disobey him and she should have. 
if it means fighting, it's worth fighting because of a child. Every child is a new world, like the Rambam says. One more child. Of course, many more children, that's a tremendous success. Our success in life, if we're capable of childbearing, is measured by the number of children we have. Now, if I wouldn't have quoted that word for word from Ravigdam Miller, I would never have said that on my own. I'll tell you the truth. But I quoted Ravigdam Miller just as a source. Now, I don't think that Miller's point was that, that this couple should start fighting uh, just to have another child and not live in harmony and break a, a, a shalom bias and everything. I think what he did mean when he was trying to impress the importance of of one more child, that's, that's a big success in life. You don't give up on that. And there are a lot of things you don't give up on, right? There are a lot of things that your spouse wants differently than you, and you put your foot down. Why? Because it's important to you. This is very important. And, if it's, and like he said, if you have to fight about it, it's worth fighting over. Now, of course, you don't have to fight. That's the, that's the key. You don't have to fight. It's when you understand that it's worth fighting over that it becomes worthwhile to, to find a way to make it work. But it's not a question that the fact that people often argue about it is because it's emotional. Now, if it's, your, if it's your own emotions, if you're the person here that's getting into this kind of, uh, you know, I'm feeling stressed out, I can't do it anymore, I'm resentful, I'm not being helpful enough, your emotions don't have to equal, well, if that's the case, then I don't have children, I can't have children. It's your emotions. Write, them, write down what they are. Deal with them. Address them. Don't come to a conclusion that's not addressing the emotions that you're dealing with. And this is something that if only we could all do. When we get emotional about something, instead of trusting our conclusions and trusting our, um, you know, verdict about what's the best way to deal with it, deal with the emotion. What is it that you're feeling? Talk about it. Maybe there's a way to resolve that. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. So that's first of all. Now, of course, if it's someone else's emotions you're dealing with, in other words, if your wife has an issue, your husband has an issue, um, because you're not helping enough at home or things like that, so instead of fighting her and bringing sources from Rabbi Miller and from a medrash, think about it. Maybe there's a way to deal with someone else's emotions. Now, for starters... Starters, having children definitely means that you're going to be helping more at home if you're a man, um, right? I quote this often. Why was Levi called Levi? Apami Luva Ishi. So the Rishonim, one of the Rishonim say, right, when a, when, a, when a woman has two children, she can do it on her own. She has two hands. She can walk with two children. You have a third child, now your husband has to help you out. So if anyone thinks that, you know, you just have children and then, you know, let someone else uh, raise them for you, obviously it doesn't work. You're not sending them to orphanage and you're not uh, letting your wife, single parent, just to have them. But then sometimes it's more than just helping or being technical or being offering. Sometimes you are helping a lot already. Sometimes it's just having someone feel understood. Sometimes it's, ha- it's, it's having someone feel validated. Sometimes it's giving someone a little space and, and time to, to deal with their own stress. So if, if, if it's emotional, it's emotional. And again, back to the other one. If it's emotional on your end and you feel someone's not helping you, it doesn't justify. It doesn't mean that it's okay if they don't help, they do help. But it means you have to deal with things. So instead of coming to a conclusion that having a big family is stressful and I want to find someone to tell me that I'm okay doing whatever I want to do, there's, there's a better way to do things. And the, the, the way to deal with emotions is to address them, to take them seriously, to make sure the other person feels understood and heard um, and taken care of, and definitely not to debate about it. Because the more you debate about emotions, about emotional issues, um, the more logic you try to put into the topic, the more, the more you try to prove someone wrong, the more defensive they get and the less anyone you know, feels good, there's more resistance you know, trying to prove a point. So that's definitely... Very important. Point number five is the unhealthy influence in this regard. And that's, that's something that's very... Forget about the secular sources. But sometimes it's, it's parents that make the mistake. Parents telling children, I think you need a break. I don't know if this is good for you. Um, you know, getting involved. Somebody just told me recently, I was at, at a meeting about a Shalom situation, and uh, Schwer said something very profound. Actually, Tamat uh, Chochem. He said, I don't know who he quoted, but he said there's a separate section in Gehenna for parents who stare at their children's shalom bias. And I don't want to go there. 
Okay, it's easy to say, and, and sometimes parents uh, you know, watch and they, they feel, and they're, they're all good intentions. You know, nobody wants to be in a separate section in Gehenna for, for mixing into a couple's life and making them feel stupid or giving them unhealthy guidance, not not totally good guidance. So that's definitely something to think about. And in general, it's not only parents. How often does somebody make a comment to somebody that's that's degrading or condescending or, or makes someone feel stupid? Oh, wow, so many kids. You know, somebody repeated such a comment. You know, so many kids under the age of, what's with you guys? You know, it sounds cute and you think you're being funny, but you're not. And you could be causing someone to, to think twice. You could be causing someone to doubt themselves. Have a lot of children. Now, if, if somebody's doing it to you, first of all, it's not to be ashamed of. If somebody's making a comment about you having a lot of children, they're either feeling guilty or jealous, I would assume. It's probably not coming because they're genuinely caring for you and, and feel bad for you. You should, you should be proud. You should feel like if somebody's saying, wow, such a big house you built? Yeah. So much money you have? Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I was waiting for you to notice, right? Somebody has have a lot of children? Somebody told me, a man told me recently, his wife was walking the street with six children under the, under the age of eight. And people started making comments. She came home every day doubting herself, like, am I doing the right thing? And it took time for him to help her understand. And it wasn't showing bias, it was just helping her understand. You should feel privileged. You should feel privileged. And when people tell you that, you know, they're, they're seeing something amazing. Seeing something amazing now. I also got a call once from a, from a, from a, a book. This is going back a few years ago already. He told me that his, his Parents just had, I don't even want to say the number, it was a number over, over 15, 16, a lot of children, and he doesn't know how to tell to the boys in yeshiva, he's afraid they must make fun of him, they have so many kids in the family. And again, the message was the same, we should be proud, and we should all be proud, and we should all try to do the right thing. Now, I feel, I feel obligated to just remind everyone that I started off saying there are exceptions to the rule, and you want to get that started to make sure you're doing the right thing. And nobody should feel bad if they aren't an exception, an exception to the rule temporarily or even long term. But exception is exception. And the mindset, the Torah de Gashkofa, the Torah de mindset of, I'm so happy that I could do what's most important in life. And it does come with a price. And I pay a price for a lot of things. Right? I pay a price to, for my luxury. And I pay a price for my education. I pay a price for my social life. And I pay, and I pay a price to have children. And I'm happy that I feel accomplished just, just having the children, nothing more. I know that I, I can't achieve you know, this or that or... or whatever it may be, but I'm happy that this, this is what I'm doing. And I feel good about it. I mean, I myself, we should all see a lot of nachas. We're definitely, you know, doing what's most important. Doing what, what Avram Avini did. And we live with the right amina betuchan that's not taking away from anything. Like the Pusik tells them, is Avram going to lose out because he's busy with his children? Is Yankov Avini losing out? Nobody's losing out. We don't lose out. We just have tremendous chism. And in Mitzvah Shem, we should see nachas from each and every one of those beautiful children.